How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going today, Dave? It's going good. How are you, Jake? Dang it, I was going for a sip. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, how are you doing, Ian? Uh, I'm doing well today. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Ian, where did you come from? from Dave. <laughs> uh, where did you go? Ian? <laughs> where did you come from? Yeah, no. Cotton Eye Ian. <clears throat> I was like, I was fully expecting Dave to like introduce Ian, you know, go for the old standby. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it's. I, I didn't see you go for the drink, but I uh-huh. was planning to mix it up before that mixed drink. See, we were just going to go into the infinite loop where Dave introduces, or excuse me, Jake introduces Dave, who introduces me, who introduces Jake, and we do this for the next hour. Yeah, this is a uh, content. <laughs> this is called padding for time. The name mm-hmm. of the game is well, they're not going to keep doing it right that's an interesting name for a game <laughs> right <laughs> it's, it's it's like don't wake daddy or something like that it's, they're not gonna keep doing it right <laughs> i feel like I'm, this is the podcast that parents put on for their young children who are obsessed with the internet to get them to go to bed at night yeah you want to listen to podcast kids here you go it's just three assholes talking in loops for an hour <laughs> i think that's that's a lot of content for podcasts out there though I don't know what they're saying, but I find this very, very cathartic. <laughs> How do you know that word? <laughs> I, I, I do like that. I like the idea of just little, really eloquent kids listening to the podcast. We mark every <laughs> single one as explicit, and their parents are just like, nope, you're listening to this, Jimmy. It's not an eloquent kid name, but... <clears throat> Mother, father, what is honey pop? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Just go to Best Buy and try to pick up your kid's honey pup. Just be like, I've been listening to a podcast. They keep talking about it. So I think <laughs> well, it's, Jimmy, at the, it's at checkout. When daddy loves mommy really much, but mommy doesn't want to put up with daddy's weird obsessions anymore. Mommy leaves and daddy's forced to develop very racy video games. <laughs> I like that you went not to the player, but to the developer. Yeah, I felt like, oh, this person plays it. Oh, nope. They they made it. This is like a, the deep backstory that we've been missing. They took Bejeweled and added sex and made more money than you can count. Honestly, the developers of Honey Pop have been getting off too easy, so... I think someone needs to go for him. <laughs> so, so again, we record this with the cameras on. I want to applaud how straight of a face Jake kept. The smirk was there, I'll tell you that. But he, he waited for it to land. They're not the only ones getting off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I had to make it obvious for everyone in the crowd who's missed it because mm. it went over my head for approximately half a second. That's good. This is the kind of highbrow tuber. <laughs> tumor this is the high brow <laughs> humor that i subscribe for if yeah. you have a tumor above your brow that's it's a brain bad. tumor yeah, yeah i don't know how to tell is. you it's real bad it certainly explains a lot oof yeah uh speaking of explaining a lot uh what do you guys want to talk about today um uh, i think we should have the guest pick okay um well i have a uh, reference sheet here about noises that deers don't make hmm uh, and somewhat under it, I have underlined a few times, why are trees the devil? Mm, yes. So this uh, is the forest, right? That's what we're <laughs> talking about. Uh, you purchased that game for me, and I still need to play it, and I refuse to watch your po- or listen to your podcast on the forest until I play the forest, so that's a big catch-22 right there. Not to derail from what we're about to talk about, but mm. would play that again Yeah, off a very similar note. <laughs> I wonder we if we will. can get like a slightly larger group, one or two more more What's people, the, and go through the forest. Size of that—that's a great question. Someone buy me time. <laughs> <laughs> now shut the fuck up, Ian. <laughs> what uh, game are we talking about today? Uh, today we're going to talk about a small indie darling. You might have heard of it. It hasn't really blown up too much. I mean, Valheim. Mm-hmm. Five million uh, copies. Yeah, aka five million copies in three weeks, which. Yeah is a pretty astronomical number considering it was made by five guys, not burgers and not fries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of the best selling games of all time, just based off of the not total quantity sold, but how quickly it's sold. I think that's where we get our ideas from. <laughs> it is impressive because it's kind of re-eva- made me reevaluate how I'm going to rate games from here on out. I'm mm-hmm. not going to start doing a system where it's like, Hey, 
I'm going to take the number of copies you've sold and then just divide it by the number of people who made it. Screw you, big developers. <laughs> I only care about the small teams now. Yeah. Because, I mean, you figure five dudes made a game that sold five million copies. That's a million copies per guy. And yeah. I'm sure one of them was a slacker. I think, I think you're, you're now rating this game higher than Hades or anything by Supergiant. Mm. They probably have like 10 people. That's true, actually. Hades was so... This is not a Hades episode, but Hades is so good. Stardew Valley also was a single developer, and that sold really well. Oh, not to mention, I guess, to give credit where credit's due, Undertale's not my personal game, but Toby Fox, is he the sole developer, Dave, or did he have assistance? There's contributors. He had Temi do some artwork. I'm sure some other people did help out with aspects, but as far as music design and development, I think that's primarily, if not all him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, Valheim is some sort of Viking game, right? <laughs> this is survival crafting, open world, early access, but not actually insert horseman joke. Yeah, yeah to, to continue kind of my trend on the podcast here, this is a survival crafting open world game. Uh, fortunately, this one's in early access, but I don't believe Subnautica was when we discussed that. So right. at least yeah. we haven't completely formed a pattern yet. I didn't realize we were pigeonholing you into like the survival guy, your survival survivor man, Ian, where it's playing video games that are about survival. <laughs> oh man, wait a second! I got a new uh, YouTube idea series. Let me just jot this down for later. I can hear the money. Just got to get a face rig for the VTuber setup. <clears throat> yeah. How so would you guys? Who was the first person to get on this train? Who was hmm. the initial buy-in? I think I I think I picked it up first. I played single player for a bit before talking to others about it. Just to the first boss. I, yeah, I I think Jake was our patient zero, and then I think Jake dropped me. And I don't even think you got to. Did you get to the first boss? No, you did because you told me you're like you got to pick. I remember you got to pick the sticks off the ground. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how archaic! I'm just used to punching trees. <laughs> right. You know, like a civilized person. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I I definitely I wasn't sure exactly how the game was going to land off the opener, and I purposefully waited a while to bring other people in because I was concerned that like it looked really rudimentary from the initial drop in, um, and then it was taking a while to progress. Yeah, I think the game is fairly simple. In fact, it's. If it was a machine, you could see all of its different parts all working together. It's not like anything's very obscured to the player in in that regards. But I think it makes very good with what it's working with. Yeah. So there's the the systems that are built into the game that seem simple at first often have very good reasoning for why they're there, mm-hmm. and they do in my opinion improve the play experience. Yeah. I, I can't discount that yet. Um, mm-hmm. I think overall from my experience, because I joined in the latest, uh, you guys had already played on probably one to two servers. And then we're like, hey, we're going to have an episode on this. I'm like, I will try the game. <laughs> uh, so I was expecting kind of a more advanced, as far as graphically, uh, Minecraft, mm. where it is, if you are exploring you're harvesting your resources, building up bases or structures. Uh, And primarily, I think it does that really well. I think certain things are kind of annoying as far as, which we'll get into as far as like the pacing. Right, yeah. Because like with Minecraft, you can, in like a day, you can do a whole ton of shit and advance Mm -hmm. your tech tree. But in Valheim, it is very much boots on the ground. You go and explore and you make several encampments as you go yeah i was gonna say like you mentioned minecraft and i think this is actually a little bit different from minecraft for me oh yeah Um, i don't want to make like like it's minecraft is much more accessible much more you know like you said just do whatever you want during the day you have the time for it um but in valheim it's all heavy commitment to doing something right i'm gonna go out and farm Like, I literally spent hours just getting copper, right? (laughs) Like, and that was just my task for the real life day of playtime, right? Not like eight hours, but you know what I mean? uh, For the time we spend playing games. 
Um, and everything about the game is shaped around that idea that progression takes investment. Um, which is yeah, my nice feeling, like, I think. Yeah. I think it works better like with our group setting that we were doing. Like if it was just on my own, I feel like I could get very easily distracted from that. Mm-hmm. But like when you're on with people and like I was going beating the shit out of trees, you were farming and like Ian was actually trying to upgrade the tech tree. It felt nice to like have us all there kind of just hanging out, vibing, talking about plans, but working on separate pieces of one goal. Yeah, I think uh, I always think about in terms of Valheim, uh, what you said there is comparison to Minecraft. It reminded me of the zero punctuation Yahtzee video from mm-hmm. at this point like 10 years ago where you reviewed Minecraft where you said Minecraft makes you work to make your you know giant golden phallus you gotta go get the gold yourself put it all together to make it you actually have to work towards a goal and it makes it rewarding and I think Valheim turns that dial a little bit harder it's yeah. like yeah mm-hmm. you're, you're gonna spend time putting something together but look at what you've done once you've done it yeah for and it example, really, a field of half chopped down trees and lumber everywhere. That was going to be my example. <laughs> left in Dave's wake. Yeah. I like that. Um, so like the survival aspect of Valheim, the base level survival um, to continue to contrast to Minecraft since it's, it's impossible to escape Minecraft. It's genre defining. Um, like in Minecraft, you survive after one day, right? You made it to nighttime, you dug down three blocks, you put one block above you, you AFK'd, you came back, and then you're set, right? Like, you never have to worry about it again. Um, And in Valheim, there's a constant need to, like, gather supplies, to make, uh, make potions, to, like, get food, to, you know, get basic resources for defenses, construction, plans, and the grand architecture. (laughs) Like, um... And so there's this constant other games that I think I enjoy in the genre have this self-motivating incentive to go out and do something that I kind of lose if there's no survival reinforcement for it. Right. Like I didn't make the golden phallus in Minecraft that much. I know you guys have, (laughs) I know you both have your own golden phalluses, (laughs) but uh, in Minecraft, in Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah. And possibly, you know, beyond. I'd never but, should turn my webcam on. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure like, gold member joke here, I guess. Right. I'm, it's been a while since Austin Powers, but it's been a while since Mike Myers. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think that uh, Valheim really provides the incentive to actually make me go out and do those manual tasks and enjoy it. I, I think one of the, the important things we kind of have to touch on, though, to kind of warn everybody, or at least to clarify, is oftentimes when we've discussed survival crafting games, that the survival aspect is too pronounced. Looking mm-hmm. at things like uh, Green, Hell. Green Hell and, dare I say its name, Raft, where yeah. it feels like all the time we're gathering resources just to survive, not to make progress, Maintenance, just, right. just to maintain the status quo. I feel like it's important that in Valheim, all of these incremental thing, like uh, incremental tasks to keep moving forward. If you stop doing those, you never lose progress. Right. You you don't die. You don't run out of health. You just don't advance further. So I think there's more of an incentive or more of a a push mm-hmm. to do whatever particular incremental task you want to, instead of feeling like you have to juggle them all at once. Right. You get to keep your accomplishments in Valheim. Yeah. Like the gear system. Like we haven't gone too in depth with mechanics and we probably should talk about some of them, but the gear system is repairs are free. As long as you have a workbench or equivalent, uh, that is a high enough tier to repair the gear. Um, and just straight up free repairs for no resources are, I think is very uncommon in crafting games. Yeah, it, it super is, but it's a nice balance. Cause again, going back to Minecraft, let's say you used a full diamond pickaxe. You probably found more diamond in that. It wasn't too much of a hassle. You right. can remake it or repair it if you have an anvil. Mm-hmm. But in Valheim, um, if you run out of bronze, yeah, fucked. It's, it's so much harder to go and get bronze because it has multiple components. You can't mm-hmm. easily transport those components. They're very heavy. So being able to just be like, 
oh, look, my bronze axe is now whole again. You can just go mm-hmm. back out to the forest. Mm-hmm. So There's I think less- it's a good balancing tool. Yeah. It's harder to stockpile more than you would ever need of a resource in Valheim 2 because things have weight. Like Dave deforesting like the entire region around main base is really useful for main base. But if we needed to make like a satellite base or an outpost somewhere, like there's no way that we're taking like uh, just 50 million pounds of, <laughs> of wood over, right, to build. So short of using portals. So uh, we find ourselves, you know, going back to actually chop down trees in response to the immediate need. And I like that. The game's constantly trying to get you to like do something or something you could do that would be useful. Now, yeah, and you get to see the change over time. In the case of wood or other mm-hmm. resources, like you see that diminish and you kind of expand your influence on the region. Like, oh, I've explored here, kind of settled this area, chopped down trees, made a little satellite base. And then it'll all show up on the map. And you can connect them by portals. And it feels like you're actually having the impact on the game. Because you actually see it. Now, Dave, you mentioned portals. And Jake mentioned that uh, some resources are specifically very hard to move around. Copper or bronze. And this sort of leads me to one of my favorite design decisions of the game that I've discussed with uh, Jake at length. And that's while you can set up portals to warp across the map there are some items that cannot be moved through portals, uh, specifically most of the metals in the game. And what this leads is you can't do your your main base hub type system that that game would kind of devolve into if you mm-hmm. could. Yeah. Uh, since you always need to smelt the ores you get... And to smelt them, you need a little base of your own just to process them. And then you can't even move the processed materials via a portal. Right. You're always going to have to have some sort of, like you said, satellite base next to your, uh, I can't like mine. The mining, yeah, the acquisition. Yeah, whatever the encampment would be. Mm. And I think yeah. that's uh, fascinating. Yeah, it was. It's a, it shows something that came up a lot, to, a lot of the in the first playthrough through Valheim in particular, we kept running into mechanics that were like, this is inconvenient. Like I dislike, this is making me spend time in the game doing something I don't intuitively want to do, such as not being able to portal raw resources like metals. Um, And as we continued to play it, like sort of, and we reacted to it, the reaction became the obvious answer to the question of why is the game like this? Right. Like it was, <laughs> I'm going to use the term intelligent design, but it was clearly <laughs> intentional, right? Like it wasn't just like, oops, we forgot to make it so you could portal, you know, or <laughs> flip the flag. Now you can <laughs> um, like, yeah, I don't expect that bug fix because it incentivizes, you know, additional construction, spreading out, having outposts. Um, and uh I don't know. It's it's kind of odd in this genre in particular that that much foresight is um, implemented, I think. I'm going to take the op- opposing viewpoint here. Okay. Uh, I, I understand why they did it, but that whole phase of we need bronze to do the next thing felt terrible. For me, it felt like the game was already kind of a relaxed, slow pace. But doing it with that specifically kind of took things to a grinding halt in my eyes. Hmm. Um, just because of like how it will re- it will resource gate you based on the tech you currently have. So like right. certain bosses, you need to have a certain tier of equipment. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just trying to like zerg rush it really shittily, or try and like chop down trees and hope they fall on the boss for like some damage. Yeah. And it. It just hurts. <laughs> I mean, we should we should mention the progression because this is very much a game of very narrow start. Uh, you pick up some items. It gives you a bunch of recipes. Um, and then you'll stop gaining recipes at some point until you get your next breakthrough drop, usually from like a boss. And then, again, 
wide disk of expansion. Like if this was a skill tree, narrow, wide, narrow, wide, narrow, wide, like up to the top. Um, and that's also, you know, really obvious. Um, did you share the same, like on the pacing, Ian, do you think that, uh, how did that impact your, your game experience here? Do you feel like it would be better if it was slightly faster? Uh, personally, I, I was fine with the pacing, but I'm also the type of person that is willing to grind somewhat. I've played a lot of, you know, uh, MMO type games, destiny game, mm. borderlands games that encourage a small amount of mindless tedium. Right. And I think that you, what you said, how Valheim narrows and then expands, narrows, expands, is kind of accurate. It's like a pendulum that swings between rapid, fast-paced improvement mm-hmm. and then swings to the grinding side because you've, you've beaten your last boss, you have acquired the keys to the kingdom to the next level of the tech tree, you rapidly expand and upgrade and do all this kind of stuff, and then you find yourself at the next boss and you're like, if I don't do all of this preparation for this boss, I will get spanked. Right. And we kind of tried to hold the pendulum in our last playthrough. We did our rapid expansion and then we made a beeline for the boss instead of grinding out the next tech tree. Right. And then the boss taught us a lesson about why we need the next tech tree. <laughs> that was like what felt like it could have been very close to 20 minutes of a boss mm-hmm. fight where I did functionally nothing. You help with ads. I killed a couple of skeletons and slimes. <laughs> I mean, you know, good for you. <laughs> but it's it's interesting to contrast that to our first playthrough because mm-hmm. in our first playthrough, in our world seed, because the world is randomly generated based off of the seed, mm-hmm. the location for that particular boss, Dave, was mm-hmm. on the opposite side of the world. It might as well have been in Japan. Like <laughs> We had to cross multiple oceans, and it was on foot an hour long journey to get there yeah but in our procrastination to ever feel like going out there we teched all the way up so when we arrived we were like gods it took us like five minutes yeah it was a we we did we did die not to take claim too much credit i think we died on the first attack to the exploration phase of the boss we're like oh there's a mechanic here that we need to address and we know exactly how to address, but we did not address for this particular fight. I think, right? Yeah. There was a, a, a 10 minute retreat, uh, gain this protection, arrive back and commence the spank. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate the idea of that. It's just, it felt like for me, certain areas, because you start out in the meadows where mm-hmm. certain things will spawn certain types of trees, etc., monsters, the trees are already there. They don't spawn. I don't want to encourage that idea. But as you explore different areas like Black Forest, they're typically harder monsters than the meadows. You might have access right. to different resources. So you're encouraged to explore to find more things. Mm-hmm. But if you go there too early, you will get slapped fucking silly. And mm-hmm. like you don't realize how much damage they're dealing until you get hit once. And half of your health, if not all of it, kind of disappears. Right, and that kind of sucks. Like it just they just run up and kick you in the shins. They do warn mm. you, like, "Hey, you might not be ready for this yet," but you don't know to what level of severity. I feel. I think that's fair. Like, and so the game encourages exploration because the world is random. Because there is cool things to see. The world gen is actually really smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wasn't sure if it was a pre-made map or not. Um and natural structures and things like that show up pretty smoothly. But there definitely comes a point where it's like exploration is just leads to death, right? It's not actually safe to just run off in Valheim uh, too far away from where you you spawn in initially and expect everything to be okay. The world kind of hates you. (laughs) Yeah. There's a, there's an interesting decision. (laughs) It's the best way I could put it where so every basically every boss corresponds to a different biome it's Mm -hmm. like hey you're expected to conquer the meadows then the black forest then probably you should head over to the swamp and the game's pretty obvious about leading these breadcrumbs along to tell you you know the first three to go to yeah but there's two others that exist in the game 
and they don't tell you what order you should tackle them in. In fact, and until you've kind of understood the game a little bit more, you're not even sure if the game intends you to go in a logical order. Maybe I can right. do the planes before the swamp. I found the planes before the swamp. <laughs> Ergo, I should do the planes. We found many planes before. Not, <laughs> do not do the planes before the swamp. <laughs> the amount of slapping, if, you know, walking into the black forest when you're prepared for the meadows is getting slapped, then walking into the plains when you were preparing for the swamp is the equivalent of getting, you know, mugged in an alley and beaten within an inch of your life. Yeah, the final destination music should just come in once you enter the plains. Yeah, it <laughs> it fucking sucks. Because there's not, like, the obvious tell of biome mm-hmm. shift. You're like, oh, there's not trees anymore. I'm in a clearing. Yeah. And then you hear a buzzing sound and it's a death mosquito. Yeah. And then you die immediately. And then you run back for your body and you die immediately. I was that was a pain point for me for the planes like for a while, but I, I I do think it's one of the few missteps in the game as far as like pacing and balancing. They could have like mostly it is the death mosquitoes. <laughs> like the other things are actually fine. You can outrun, under- you can dodge, but like death mosquitoes have no no qualms. They're faster than you. They don't run out of stamina. They one hit kill you if you're already weak. Um, there's a lot of issues with them. And I thought that was fine for a while. I thought it was all balanced because you could hit them with the basic bow with a basic arrow and they would die. But it's really not because surprise death mechanics in games feel, feel bad always. Right. It's there's... Not, the bows are not the cleanest to use because the way the skills work is you get better at something the more you do it over time. Are you running a lot? Cool. Your stamina will build up. And you won't burn as much stamina when running. Uh, how long does it take you to draw a bow? Have you drawn a bow before? No? Okay. You'll need to <laughs> practice that. Yeah. I think Jake brings up a really good point about uh, instant death mechanics and visual clarity. So one of the the big, like, the, the, the good steps here with Valheim is... Like Dave said, you don't really know when you enter a new biome, but you can sort of imply it if you've played a little while. Because you start off in the meadows, which is large open clearings and sparse trees. Um, sometimes the trees are a little bit packed together, but they're you, there's room between them. And eventually you move on to the Black Forest, which is very densely packed trees, and they're a different color, and even there's almost like a filter over the camera. It's a little yeah. bit darker. And then the swamp is even darker than that and is easily discernible because every second spent in it makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> it's great. So the moment yeah, I feel great. that, I know that I'm in the swamp. Uh, and then, you know, I guess spoilers for all the biomes since we've already mentioned four out of five. Yeah. I mean, if they've played Magic the Gathering, they'll. Yeah. Make if, a pretty as long as you don't spoil bosses, I think we're probably. Okay. Oh my God, you're right, Dave. Um, when you go to the mountains. That's a very distinct biome. You know, you're either freezing or the snow's falling. Uh, but the plains is large open plains with sparsely planted trees. You might notice this sounds very remarkable and easily to mistake with the easiest biome in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're very pretty. It's very pretty until you hear the buzz and then you're dead. Yeah. And God will if you hear too. I will say it's just like a minor uh, adjustment clarification. Like you do see the the biome name pop up the very first time you enter it. There's a little bit of a splash screen yeah. that comes up and it's like the plains or the swamp. Um, but I literally filter it out now because we've played the game multiple times. Um, and it's only the first time you enter it. It doesn't continue for all right. biome transitions. Um, but, Real quick, uh, what do you, you know. have you guys enjoyed playing the most of in Valheim as far as like role, whether it be like resource collecting, upgrading tech tree or building structures or exploration. Hmm. What do you, what do you lean to? Everybody already knows my answer because we keep memeing on it. I've said it right. three times. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, personally, my big thing is I absolutely love the base building in this game. Um, I, I have a few nitpicks with it, like very minor ones. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I mean, I told you guys earlier, I spent four hours last night building like a secondary base for shits and giggles. We really didn't need it. We could have built another base somewhere else 
But mm-hmm. I said to myself, I want to build a castle in the swamp. And so I made it happen. And it only took me four, maybe five hours. And I didn't look at the clock during those five hours. Yeah. It wasn't a boredom exercise. It was, well, you know what? I think a torch would look really nice here. Pull the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the architecture is really engaging. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the question, too. But I do want to mention, like, we should talk a little bit about the architecture. I think it's... It's really cool what you can make in Valheim. Um, just with basic components, right? Like walls, planks, like um, different uh, minor decorations, things like that. Just a little rotation. Um, it sounds stupid, you know, coming off Minecraft, but uh, not just being placing blocks on a grid made a world of difference. Yeah, although I do like that you could actually snap to a grid, too. It, it's it's the best of both worlds in that, hey, you're snapping to a grid. If you hold this button down, you're free to place and rotate as you want, too. I mean, if you, you want creative freedom, go crazy. Yeah. There's some crazy stuff on the subreddit. Um, to answer the question for myself, though, uh, like logistics, probably what I enjoyed most there. I like that um, there's a need for food in Valheim Mm -hmm. Um, and having preparation for like big boss fights uh, like conveys a really big advantage, right? Like if you have meals prepared, you can have three food items like at a time as buffs um, and it makes a massive difference as far as your region, your max health, your max stamina, your stamina region. Um, Those are all shared by the way. Yeah. What do you you mean by shared? How do you feel about that? What did you mean by shared? So I guess, again, contrasting to Minecraft, Minecraft, if you have your stamina full all the way, your health will regen. But in Valheim, whatever food you've eaten contributes towards your max health and stamina. They're kind of right. shared. Well, they're different. They're different stats on the food. So like the food will have plus 20 max health, plus 40 stamina. And like berries and things like that, things with more sugars or carbs, um, give you a stamina more and things that are meats give you more health oh ignore what i said then <laughs> i never apparently looked at the mechanic i mean it's not intuitively obvious and most of the food is like relatively balanced so i could i could completely see that right like i just ate food my health and my stamina went exactly up. that's i went very um surface level for my investigation on that but there are like focused in game foods. We didn't get to in our build that are like very much here's 80 health and like 40 stamina or something crazy. Um, and your, your basic health is 25. So these are considerable. One would say necessary increases for some of the fights in the game. Yeah. Like if you die and you want to go back and get your body, you have to eat something before you go because mm-hmm. you have no health. Uh, you will get tapped and die. Mm-hmm. And you need stamina to be able to get back out there. Otherwise, something will hit you when you're panting and wheezing and you can't really run. No. How did you guys feel about like the rested mechanic? Because I'm partial to it for this game. I adore it, personally. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm curious to hear why you feel so strongly about it. Would you like to describe it, Ian? Like, tell us how it works. So basically, uh, anytime you are, you meet a few conditions, you gain the resting mechanic. Uh, Those conditions are near a fire and under a roof, basically, and Mm -hmm. in an enclosed space. As long as you are dry in an enclosed space near a fire, you begin resting. Spend long enough there, and that resting turns into rested, and it gives you... Uh, number rested one rest two rested 15 and a half and as long as you have this rested buff which has a countdown based on the value of it uh, you regain stamina and health remarkably faster like three times as fast and this dovetails into my favorite aspect of the game being base building because there's a lot of cosmetic things you can fill your bases with. Here's a table, here's chairs, here's uh, heraldic banners to put on the walls and weapon mounts, uh, rugs to lay in the floors with, a, a literal throne. Yeah. 
and these things aren't just cosmetic items because as long as they're near where you're resting, they increase the value of your rest, which makes mm -hmm. you keep your rested bonus longer when you're no longer exploring. Yeah. I think the difference between having a shack in the woods and a palatial palace goes from like a five minute rest bonus to we were up to what? 20, 25, 20 or 30. Yeah. yeah. 30 minutes of having basically always having full or, you know, always having expanded health and stamina regeneration as long as you just occasionally make a trip home. Yeah. And as a minor balancing thing, like those are multipliers based off of your base rate of regeneration. So if you didn't eat any food, you can't make up for all of that by like going to bed. <laughs> no uh, food for me. I'm just going to take a nap. <laughs> but um, if you do have food, then the rested buff becomes significantly better. It's this, it's force multiplier. Um, um, hmm. Again, cannot discount. Mm -hmm. it, it kind of feels like when you're at college and then you come home for summer break, you get to see like family and friends. You're like, oh, that was refreshing. Um, but again, it does incentivize you coming back to would be your primary base to get that bonus or to kind of build up any satellite bases to provide those same benefits. Because usually, starting out, we'd run out uh, with some food, do whatever errands, chopping down trees, whatever the hell you guys are doing. And then at a point, the rest of the bonus wears out. It's a lot harder to do that or to combat monsters uh, with lower health regeneration. So you'd usually have to come back. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think I dislike it. I just think it's different. I I mean, it's also worth noting that the, the scaling is only on the duration of the buff. Rested itself is always the same amount of health and stamina region. Mm -hmm. um, so if you just have like a shack out somewhere near like a lumberer, uh, like a, a lumberyard shack with just a bed and a campfire, like you could always refresh your buff there. No problem. That's minimum investment. It doesn't take long to set up in the game, but it encourages you to build in the world. Um, whereas having the main base with like a 30 minute duration or whatever, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to stop back in here and then just go yeet myself off into the wilderness for a half hour and expect that you'll be fine. I like that kind of flexibility. Yeah, it reminds me, um, I was thinking about Fallout, uh, I think it was either New Vegas or 4, had like mm -hmm. a survival mode where you had to sleep. And yep. to encourage you to sleep, you had a meter and it drained over time. And I can't remember what the drawback was when it ran out. Was it damage? Was it? It was debuffs to your special uh, stats. Yeah. And you were also more likely to catch illness. So it was punishing, basically. Mm -hmm. In Valheim, it tends to be a similar mechanic where it's like, hey, you're going to be, if you spend long enough awake away from your base doing things that aren't resting, you are going to be worse at things. And I feel it's less punishing than that. Instead of the default state being normal, in Fallout, I would say your default state is normal and your bad state is bad. Like, your, your yeah. worst state mm -hmm. is bad. In Valheim, I'd say your default state is normal, but the resting state makes you good if that's... I think the right. baseline is adjusted from a yeah. to a you, you have a way to place. improve your current situation versus your current situation is normal and it's going to get bad and you'll need to mediate that. Yeah. But this does feed into the philosophy or like the design plan goals of the game which is like conquer the world, gather resources, um use your consumables, eat food, get stronger, fight nature. Um unless they're mosquitoes then die. Um yeah, and I, I I liked what they were going for. I think there's just a few missteps there, but I appreciate a game where it really incentivizes things that are considered optional activities that a lot of the player base would engage with, such as decorating, cooking, gathering resources. Um, we asked the question a while ago, like what our favorite things, or <laughs> Dave was asking what our favorite things were. I guess the assumption is yours is exploration, Dave. And I do think that, unfortunately, taken as like a pure, if you're a pure exploration player with like a light smattering of resource gathering and things like that, um, 
the game gets really punishing really quickly. Uh, I can confirm this is true. <laughs> like, there are the options of portals, which help things. But, like, we started out on an island, as I'm sure anybody else would. But our island was fairly is. big. Ish. So I was able to explore for a good while through the forest and the fields. Uh, and then it came to the point where I needed a boat. Swimming is also a stat, and it is very hard to swim ac- across even a river at early points. Because mm. um, if you run on a stamina wall actively swimming, you drown. <laughs> <laughs> I think you start out basically not being able to swim based off of how <laughs> slow you swim. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's doggy bad. paddle. <laughs> and it just burns through your stamina because you're freaking out. Mm. But yeah, it, it was fun to explore and cut down swaths of trees, but there are a lot of things like enemy spawns or water or I literally cannot handle this environment right now Yeah, where I'd kind of have to say like, Hey, uh, we need to build a satellite base here and we can come back to it. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was putting little push pins on the, the cork board. I'm like later, later <laughs> Yeah, portal early and often <laughs> this is my advice for people who are thinking about picking up Valheim personal yeah. portal. <laughs> now, Jake, you mentioned earlier that, you know, the quest is to go out and kill the creatures of the earth mm. or Valheim in this instance, because that's the plane of existence you're on in this game. Right. Uh, being a Nordic Viking warrior who is dead and has been drafted by Odin to pick up his garbage on the 10th realm of Yggdrasil. Yeah. You are dead and will continue to die. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> Some of the things we have to kill aren't just run-of-the-mill baddies. They are legitimate, terrifying monstrosities. Mm-hmm. Does this uh, refer to the deer? The deer make noises. Funny noises. <laughs> In fact, they make funny enough noises that when I was streaming the game and Jake's wife was listening to me, she's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, that's a deer. She's like, deer don't sound like that. She then looked <laughs> it up on YouTube and apparently deer do sound like that, which was astounding to me. Mm-hmm. Realism. Um, <laughs> Bambi honestly just misled an entire generation. I thought they just spoke English. And... I'll be honest, I I don't know the plot of Bambi besides the mother dying and there's <laughs> somewhere along the line. Uh, there's romance, I don't know. There's Thumper. Thumper's in that. But uh but what I was more alluding to is we've discussed the game, but we and how bosses gate progression. We haven't actually talked about any of the bosses. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to go into like heavy detail for a lot of them, but I think we're we're definitely putting my, minor spoilers on this in general. We've talked about the planes, but the first boss, I think, could be a good talk. And if you guys yeah. really want to, if you're like, man, I feel deprived not being able to talk about the rest of the bosses, I don't care. Talk, talk about well, you want. Uh, I don't think we need to teach talk about specifics to each boss. More mm. so the boss's point in the structure of the game acting as like bottlenecks towards right. the next area. That's fair. So, I mean, Dave, you how did you enjoy the combat in this game? Um, especially when we're talking about tougher enemies like bosses that have maybe actual mechanics associated with them, like uh, Ikefear in the beginning. Uh, that's a big that's a big F for me. Um, yeah, I wasn't crazy about it. Granted, for the first boss, uh, I was using shitty bow skills and just trying to arc arrows into the boss. Uh, I never really delved as much as you guys both did into the close upfront mechanics where mm-hmm. you are swinging, burning stamina, and then also dodging and using some iframes. Yeah, I think I think the combat's pretty good, but it's mostly because of the melee. Ranged isn't particularly anything special, I don't think. It's basically Skyrim or anything else, which was the big inspiration for this game, as said by the developers. Um what do you like but, specifically about melee combat? Is there a certain weapon? It's it's Dark Souls. Yeah, I think that's that's a real fair assessment because it's <laughs> it's very much as long as you've got the proper equipment for whatever job, it's either dodge roll, retaliate attack, hit it in the butt, or mm. it is parry, retaliate attack, dodge away for their their big attack, and then wait for your stamina to come back. And the game literally has poise breaking. Yeah. Like for you and the monsters. So it's it's Dark Souls. <laughs> Check our Dark Souls episodes for <laughs> ideas about how the combat in Valheim works. 
Okay. I yeah, my strat was literally for most of it, have a bow, shoot while running backwards. Part so of the I issue is much. it takes so much stamina to do that. Like that's the punishing, that's the balancing part of the bow is you mentioned it takes stamina to draw. Also takes stamina to move, takes stamina to run. You know, doesn't so take stamina to move. If you're, I guess, running, yeah, only well, running. You, you can't run and draw. But I sorry, I meant to say, like walking backwards while drawing bow, just to create that mm-hmm. in space. Right. Yeah. I still feel like melee weapons also ate a lot of stamina. At some point, I did start using Naginta in fights. Some of them do. That takes a lot of stamina. Yeah, that that's what you get for using the two-handed weapons. Because I had the. Uh... The antler smasher, the high, what is it, stag breaker? That's the one. Mm-hmm. Which is the the big fuck you two handed act, or excuse me, big fuck you two handed hammer made out of deer antlers. Mm-hmm. And as fun as it was to use for twenty hours, I hit a point in the game where I'm like, at this point, I'm just slamming the ground and tickling the things around me, and I can only swing it once every three millennia. Yeah, having played with a bunch of different weapons, the bow, the um two-handed weapon and with one-handed and shield one-handed and shield is like by far the safest bet it's like low stamina cost you still usually kill things like as soon as you break their poise anyways which is like the third hit normally um except against like high star enemies um it doesn't have the special move that naginta has which is pretty good I think Jake saw me kiting a group of ads once and just cheesing them. Yeah. Because the alternate move is you do a spin attack, uh, and if they're not super strong enemies, they will all get stunned and knocked back. So you wait for a clearing, you do the spin, and you wait for them to come back, which gives your, your stamina a chance to come back as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had great success with the sword and shield the first time around. I know Dan in our first world, uh, see, I was always building like bucklers and small, like personal shields, which have the ability to parry. Right. Dan built a tower shield Mm -hmm. and while he couldn't parry, nothing could break his poise. And he laughed like a madman every time, like trolls would just hit him and he doesn't even flinch. (laughs) Yeah. It very much turned into the the dark souls question. Can this opponent be parried? (laughs) can i parry this boss (laughs) turns out you you can on some yeah even seeing trolls for the first time was kind of massive Mm -hmm. because you start out with like little very i almost want to call them goblins but they're graylings yeah but they kind of run at you but then they're scared and they run away they're like no i can probably kick them the shins once or twice and they come back but they're very much small ads i wouldn't consider them enemies so much as things that might look at you wrong yeah they kill you if you're afk that's basically yeah that's that's fair to say (laughs) unless you have a fire nearby because they're scared of that so (laughs) i think the game does a really good job with its visual design of Mm -hmm. indicating what enemies you can and can't take to begin with like in the early game i think it's very clear because you'll start off with things like Oh, this Grayling, he's running away from me. He's scared of me. I can take him. Yeah. And this is the boar's running at me, but it's the first enemy in the game, so I'm going to punch it, and I, kn- I know at this point that I could take boar. Do you run away from me? I'm, I'm invincible. Then you get to kind of a little bit higher tier in the Black Forest, and it's like bigger Grey Dwarves that are still derpy, but as big as I am now. Yeah, and I think, or nighttime. <laughs> yeah. I think the game starts to fall off um, around the mountains, actually. Because uh, mm. I know, Dave, you didn't get to play, experience a whole bunch of the mountain gameplay. Right. But you're like, how could a wolf be more deadly than this giant hulking troll that I was just fighting? And then the wolf bites you for three quarters of your dam- your health, which is something yeah. that Jake and I experienced. Um, yeah, I was mining next to a mountain, and it just happened... Like wolves spawned there because nighttime fell, and the wolves were like, "What's that over there? Is that like a campfire or something? We can go kill." And it was something they could go kill, as it turned out. 
<laughs> it was me. <laughs> and I think this kind of uh, this failing of the design philosophy to properly express how deadly something is reaches its terminus with, as all things, the death mosquito. It's just a mosquito. What's the worst that could dies over and over and over again? Because yeah. it's not like the name pops up immediately, unless you're like mousing over it. <laughs> Right. So, the camera turns to it, zooms in, its name shows up on the bottom of the it, screen. It has its own intro screen. A smash new Death challenger Skido. approaching thing flashes up with the silhouette. I Log mean, out now and ask somebody to come build a base around where you think your body was. Yeah. So it's funny. We should talk. So good. I was going to say the, the running gag we had when we first encountered Death Skeetos was, you know how when you first log into Valheim, it has the patch notes on the side of the mm-hmm. screen, Dave? Yeah, yeah. When we first started, their first like post-release patch had already come out, and the number one thing listed at the top was reduced damage of death mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. And every time we'd get one hit, one and a half hit by death mosquitoes, we're like, yeah, they sure reduced the damage on these death mosquitoes. <laughs> Still blowing us up. They used to kill two people at once. <laughs> right. Uh, but what were you going to get into, Jake? I was, I was just going to mention uh, death mechanics briefly, because we haven't really talked about them much. Oh, yeah. Um, so you drop all your gear where you died. Um, like Minecraft, but a bit more forgiving in that it doesn't immediately fall into lava. You at least leave a tombstone. Well, yeah, it's like a, a backpack type system. It's a backpack, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, and it does stick around for a while. I've logged out and logged back in. It was still there. I don't know if it even times out ever. Uh, you can have multiple of them in place at a time, but you only get a map marker to the last one you died at. Um and the reason Deskitos are a problem is because the, everything about them is specifically tailored to kill corpse runs, right? They're fast. They have very little health, but that doesn't matter if you can't fight back. Um, and they're just the worst for that. They swarm. They roam. They don't. They're Yeah, it's such a pain. Um, but the game does have some mercies. And like you get a corpse run buff when you recover that gives you super regeneration for like 30 seconds where your health just fills really fast. So you can eat a bunch of food and it'll be all capped out. Um, and then they take away that mercy by having you lose skills. <laughs> it's one level and everything. Is that That's right? Pro- that might be true. I don't know. I never measured. I never measured. I did know once <clears throat> I checked my skills and they were like at 32. And then uh, a few hours later after dying, over and over again, I noticed. I'm like, I've had to. I, I'm sure I've lost a little bit of progress, but how much? And I was at like 25. Oof. So it can, if you keep yeeting yourself into danger, you will pay for it. But I looked it up. <laughs> it's five percent of total levels in each skill. That's a staggering amount. <laughs> staggering. I Unless, mean, there- like, you just started the game, then it's literally inconsequential. There is the benefit that it is skill, like, there is, like, a a death protection. Like Jake said, you have the corpse run buff, but you also get the no skill drain buff. So if you die, right. I don't know, Jake, you've got the mechanics up. Does it say how long the no skill drain buff lasts? Ten minutes. You've got ten minutes where if you die again, no problem. No more skill drain. It's only when you're like me that manages to nail that sweet spot of live, <laughs> die, wait ten minutes, die again, repeat ad nauseum. I think mine was close to that, which was die, go back for body, get body, buff clears, die. <laughs> get yeah. body, get bodied. Right. <laughs> yeah, the game the game does have um, more difficulty to it than many. Like we played a lot of um, survival crafting type games. And I think this one, this one is up there as far as you're choosing not to like keep up your health buffs. Or you'll probably die if you're in danger. Uh, you venture into an area while you're under leveled. You don't have the gear from the last boss or whatever. You're going to die. Like death is the default state. If you get far enough away in Valheim. <laughs> uh, I guess since uh, we're approaching time mm-hmm. is it's also worth noting. This is very much still an early access game. I don't mean that in the sense that it, crashes consistently actually in terms of bugginess the game is fairly stable so far i mean we've seen some floating strawberries uh when we were doing the the first time we did the server we had missing missing walls for some people like ghost objects for others 
but I haven't noticed that this time around. Yeah. There Absolutely. really wasn't anything that came up outside of the one time the boat went under the dock. Yeah. That's the the water. That's it's the nature even... of the, the water going up and down, I think. Yeah, I don't even think that's necessarily a bug. So, I mean, obviously it's a bug. Like it's it's obvious, but it's a a mechanical interaction that shouldn't exist, but yeah. is mm-hmm. definitely. If you understand the rules of how things are going to work, this is the expected outcome. It is just really funny when you park the boat next to your like dock on your nice looking as you would like, in water vista, your resort. It's like all right, I want it to make contact so I can just step back onto the boat. Right, have your Captain Jack Sparrow moment. And, uh, and then the seas get tumultuous and your boat's absolutely destroyed. It's under the dock now. Good luck ever getting it out. Yeah. Um, in terms of early access, I know they're actively developing it. And one of my biggest disappointments in the game is because it was early access. I found the sixth biome, I guess seventh, ocean counts. Yeah. But I found the seventh biome and I sailed by it and I got the spooky pop-up. And to give you a visual idea of what it looks like, Dave, it's very massive tall trees. Think like California redwoods. Okay. Hmm. But with spider webs string between them. (laughs) Yeah. And no music. It's quiet. It's now I don't know if that's because they haven't made the music yet or if it's a design decision, but it very much had an atmosphere to it. And Hmm. when I sailed by it, it spooked the hell out of me. I'm like, I'll come back to this. So I spent half an hour sailing my ass back there with a portal. I dropped it and I began my tumultuous exploration to find nothing. Can't break the trees. Can't break the spider webs. There's no enemies around. It is literally empty of all resources. So yeah. would you rather than not put that in than put something in that you can't really interact with? Uh, I don't know what the correct answer is because mm-hmm. I guess for me, if they had, if they hadn't had, if they didn't have even this biome set to spawn yet, mm-hmm. or if there was even like, I know Satisfactory is an early access game but that has an even early access year branch of development release date. There's two separate release dates you could play. This is early access. I'd almost wish they had like a test development branch where this was in the game and in the the game that's launchable and playable. This isn't because it did give me a sense of buildup and letdown rather yeah. than if they had waited a little bit longer in development to implement, mm-hmm. then it would have actually had a payoff, at least somewhat of a payoff. And but there's also there's threat. the question of world state. Like, um, I don't know exactly what their plans are for that, that biome that shall not be named, but the it could be that because it's part of the current world gen, when they do release content for it, they don't need to have people recreate their worlds. Um, where if it was excluded entirely, you might have to make a new save. That's a really good point. I didn't even consider that. Yeah, Ian, what Jake said. I was thinking it the whole time. <laughs> kept my kept my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, I can see you thinking through the camera there. Yeah, that yeah. is a good point. I wouldn't have thought of that though. Yeah, because I, I felt pretty witty for thinking of it. That was on the moment. <laughs> I mean, it's a good point because we use Satisfactory as a comparison point there, and. Uh, satisfactory when they update they actually release warnings they're like by the way when we update we're gonna break all your world states so Mm. this is what you get for playing in early access (laughs) yeah nerds (laughs) (laughs) what changes if they implemented would you be willing to reset your world for basically Mm. what are you looking for them to add on while it's still in early access um it's sort of a loaded question for me because I've read up on their Wikipedia article and like I was on the subreddit. You're like, I like these patch notes coming forward. Well, it's not necessarily, I know what they plan to do in the future. Mm-hmm. So I know they, I can't even think of the name of that biome, Jake. You said that it will not be named. I can't remember no. the name of it. So you're right. It can't <laughs> be convenient. named. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know they, they wanted to do like all the Nordic dark elves style stuff mm-hmm. there. I don't know what form that's going to take like traditional D and D dark elves or something else, but World of Warcraft. They'll be very edgy. Yeah. Um, and I know they wanted someone on the subreddit mentioned they wanted to do a uh, far north biome, which I assume would be a much more a flat tundra area. Yeah, tundra, yeah. Um definitely in the future, more more biomes. Because mm-hmm. the I think the biome diversity is one of the things that makes the game fun. 
Like, it's mm-hmm. interesting to set foot into what's considered, like, a whole new world and get beaten uh-huh. up by the creatures that live there. Yeah, it's going to have a whole new point of view. Mm-hmm. New fantastic point of view. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think Valheim is worth the hype right now. That's my personal opinion. Um, it's interesting. It, it's a good co-op uh, game where you don't have to co-op at all, but you can get together, gear up, and fight bosses. That's like the main point when people really work together. It's like boss fights are events, and I love that. Um, but it's very um, it's very chill as long as you never enter the plains, so um, or the or the mountain, or maybe the swamp. Honestly, just stay in the meadows. <laughs> Probably your best bet. Invite the boss to you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed this as a multiplayer experience. I think it's mainly because of it's because of you guys. Like we've done other types of games like this before, and I enjoy our dynamic where we kind of have split responsibilities and then we can work towards that common goal. Literally rehashing what I said earlier. Um, I don't think I would ever play this solo or with certain other groups of people. It seems like a big group type game. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because like the pacing is very slow. But if everyone's like making a community and building satellite bases and like terraforming the world, I get more enjoyment from that. Yeah, I I'm on board with it. I mean, I played it solo like last night. I played in our world by myself for four hours and Mm -hmm. it's not like it was an not enjoyable experience. But while I was building my big castle in the middle of a swamp and feeling real good about it, uh, I took note that I spent half that time holding left click on a rock to mine stone to build said castle when we did a similar project an even bigger castle with jake myself and daniel Mm -hmm. uh well there was actually a point where we all were commiserating we're gonna have to mine so much stone and then we found out we were done like just all of a sudden we're like oh we finished because Mm -hmm. when three people all tossed themselves at the same project it carved away at it so much faster so yeah. it's definitely a game that I would say you can get so some enjoyment out of architecturally, like just devolve, like stop playing the game and start just building structures and have fun with it. But mm. you might get stymied by the resource requirements, which you would be forced to grind out yourself then. Yeah. Unless it's a wood, but, in which case there's a lot of wood. It's a lot of wood. Trees yeah. everywhere. Yeah. If you get people together to mine too, that, speeds it up a lot if you have like surveyors pick all your nodes out have people drop everything in chests like that takes one of the obnoxious requirements i think out of the game if you have everybody going for resources because otherwise you have to split up what you're generating across all the people Um, which is my one concern it's literally tragedy of the commons that's my one concern for large servers (laughs) as it's just like you got two people maybe going out mining and 10 people to outfit for the next boss fight good luck guys that's a lot of copper you know right (laughs) so just play with play with friends that aren't douchebags and have a good time with it (laughs) uh so i know that we have kind of agreed to even though we have not completely cleared this world state we're in right now Mm-hmm. Uh, and we plan on like continuing to play on and off with less of a deadline hanging over our head for you know assorted podcasts. Um, after a few months, is this the type of game that you guys would feel like revisiting, maybe mm-hmm. with a group of people? I know at least three or four other people in our immediate oh, yeah. friend group who have this game. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, because no one will play Minecraft with me ever again. Um, <laughs> I like big parties for survival, crafty, and having a world. What are you doing tonight? You logging on? Oh, no, maybe tomorrow night. Hey, this is what you missed. I made this cool fucking house. Oh, my God. Oh, Ian's not on over the weekend. He has to go do something. Fuck him. I'm going to make a better house. And like, <laughs> you get to see these iterations of things being worked on. And then maybe people do meet together for Friday night to clear a boss. This is the closest I can get to Destiny raids right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I like group activities. Exactly, and it's good to have a group in case you get that text pop up on your screen. The forest is moving. Oh yeah, it's like, hey, by the way, you built a house and you're very proud of it. Uh, 
bunch of boar about to attack it or graylings. <laughs> I, I like the idea of just a herd of boar coming over the hill. I was trying to think because you said the forest, or you said the forest, not the meadows. The forest never mm-hmm. attacks you. The forest sends gray dwarves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be funny though. Meadow tier attack. Just herds of boar. <laughs> that would be terrifying actually. They can tear stuff down. Ugh, I mean, not as bad as a, a whole ocean of logs. Yeah, the ocean is moving. The text pops up. Nothing changes. The ocean was always moving, but the game decided to tell you. <laughs> Actually, before that, it was completely flat. <laughs> oh, flat Valheim. Yeah. You're onto something here, Dave. <laughs> you just hit M. Just, people, just hit M. Don't buy in the conspiracy theories. Hit M. Scroll out. The, fo- <laughs> the world is obviously round. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I think that's Valheim. So. Thanks once more to Ian for coming out, joining us as a guest uh, for this. Someday, maybe we'll cover something that's not a survival crafting game, but I wouldn't promise it. Um, It's good to have you on the show. It's always a pleasure. You give me a forum to spout ideas and amateur game theory. So (laughs) thanks for that. Everything we do is amateur. Um, as always, if you have ideas for other amateur endeavors uh, for us, you can send those in to uh, soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or you could join our amateur Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Have a good night. Have a night.